You, you are, are now tuned into the Fusebox Radio Broadcast with DJ Fusion and John Judah. Syndicated worldwide to bring real, real black radio back <laughs> to the masses. All right, everybody, one, two, one, two, what's going on? You're now in tune to another session of Syndicated Worldwide Fusebox Radio Broadcast with DJ Fusion and John Judah. Since 1998, whether it's on your FM radio dial, internet station, podcast, or website, we're up in the mix to give you a slice of what we call 21st Century Black Radio. That consists of old and new school music fresh from the black diaspora, such as hip-hop, soul, funk, jazz, reggae, and more, as well as news, commentary, and sometimes interviews in the mix. And the folks who are juggling all this is myself, DJ Fusion, on the mixing commentary ends. And doing the same on the side is my bro, John Judah. What's going on there, Judah? This indeed is Divine Fly, Street Dark Name Osiris. Back in this, back in this, back in this with the essence, of course, with the beautiful DJ Fusion, Jersey. Jersey NYC, D.C. representation, loving all nations. Yes, indeedy, the dark-skinned Negroes is in the house. Yes, indeedy, about to make it bounce. DJ Fusion, tell them what it's all about. No doubt, no doubt. Up in here doing all right. I'm ready to bring in our regular package of goodness for our weekly three-hour block to all the wonderful matches who listen to us. So whether you listen to us through our wonderful broadcast partners or through um, podcasting, we deeply, deeply appreciate you. And, um, yeah, we got our regular mixture of music. We also have um, our news and commentary segments from um, our partners on the outside and whatnot, which are free press with their media minute segments. Shout out to that great nonpartisan um, <clears throat> nonprofit media democracy organization here in the states. We got brand new direct effects segment from the national, <clears throat> excuse me, Black College Radio Network. Shout out to Lamar Blackman and all those folks. And we also have a new editorial segment from the folks over at Black Agenda Report with Lynn Ford and prop to all the great journalists over there. So. Yeah, we got a lot going on And of course, um, as I said before We got a little bit of commentary John Dude and I do at the beginning of each show Before getting to the music mixes And all that good stuff So, after a quick promo spiel For the Fusebox Radio Pardon me everybody We'll go ahead and we'll get right into that You can always check out what's going on With the syndicated Fusebox Radio broadcast Either at our official website FuseboxRadioOnline.com F-U-S-E-B-O-X-R-A-D-I-O-O-N-L-I-N-E.com Or you can go to our official blog site BlackRadioIsBack.com And um, through the blog Find out you know things we're getting into You can um, go directly to a webpage With our latest um, radio shows Write-ups and all of that good stuff And also props and love As I said before to our broadcast partners and all of those wonderful websites, FM radio stations, um, internet radio station, and all that, that list is constantly updated. You can go to our official blog site, blackradiosback.com, click on um, Fusebox Radio Affiliates, and find out all of those great folks there. So support all of their particular brands of um, written and audio content and whatnot. If you're one of these people who likes us to touch base via the social network, um, we are down for that. You know, Fusebox Radio Broadcast does represent on the major ones, including Facebook, um, MySpace, YouTube, Twitter, so forth and so on. 
pretty much the majority of ours end with slash Fusebox Radio. So Twitter.com slash Fusebox Radio and so forth and so on. And if you just like the Facebook like page, since the Facebook.com slash Fusebox Radio actually goes directly to um, my own personal page, um, you can go to Facebook.com slash Fusebox Radio Show, one straight word, and click on the little thumbs up like button and let all your Facebook peoples know um, about what the Fusebox Radio broadcast does. And um, let's see, besides that, we're in that spring summer season. Oh, we touched base about it about a week or two beforehand, but the Fusebox Radio Broadcast Labs are getting a huge major overhaul right now, um, equipment wise and stuff like that. So that's been a bit of an exciting thing for us over here. The uh, mixtapes are coming back by both myself and John Judah. So stay tuned for that nice development so you'll have something to bump in your transportation mode of choice um, late spring, early summer of this year of original and um, other types of material and um, events that come along, we will go ahead and announce them and besides, this last little bit of shouts out to our folks over at Planet Ill and Oh Hell No um, PlanetIll.com and Oh Hell No Blog.com respectively for having us as a part of their wonderful music staff so yeah, we got <coughs> ooh, excuse me, we got a bunch of stuff that happened this past week, so I think it's about the time to get into on some commentary and whatnot. Um, on a real quick side note, um, let's just mention a few um, music-related um, things, and then we'll get into some news. Um, first and foremost, um, R.I.P. to um, Mr. Dick Clark, who passed away this week. And some people may know Dick Clark from, at least here in the States, from American Bandstand. Um, all those um, New Year's Eve, um, rockin' New Year's Eve specials and stuff. Um, he was one of those guys who was in the business for a very long time. And while I think he was more on the pop end of music yeah. and what have you, um, he still was put a lot of people... Especially before the, I guess, cable becoming kind of a normal type of thing, as it were. He put a lot of um, people onto acts back in the day. Especially way back in the day when he first started around, like, I think, the 60s or so. And whatnot. By the time Amer- like um, I was a kid, American Banta was kind of like a man, it's here type of deal. But he was one of those guys who I think was just prevalent in terms of always being around. Like, you know, if you were having a house party or something and somebody um, either was below drinking age or all y'all just felt like having a home, get together with friends and fam and chilling, um, to see the ball drop, you would usually watch Dick Clark show. And what have you. I think even until about like a year or two ago, since uh, he had been sick for a minute, I know, I know he had like a stroke a few years back um, before he passed away. You know, that dude was still up there doing his thing so on the longevity end and from research I've done and other type of things he was never really that dude who hated against black American music I think to a degree he followed the norms of his times and what have you but um, you know American bandstands you know those cats put on hip hop and stuff too Brandon of course that was like the run DMC era and all that type of thing but they, they did follow the wave, sometimes a little earlier than MTV or those other guys did. 
So that in itself was interesting, especially considering by then Dick Clark was probably about, God, at least in his 50s, 60s by then. So hey, who knows how that rolled, but yep, he made his impact, so you know, condolences to his family, friends, and um, others, and those, even if you're just looking at a media history, um, people who were influenced um, by him on that end. Um, also, this was a very interesting period, this particular week, and um, sure. Remember Dick Clark. Um, I like to give big up to him. Um, one thing that struck me earlier was when I heard the 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 the, 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 the uh, I guess the, the early uh, theme song to that. And the early theme the early theme song was jazz. jazz. So, but they didn't play no jazz on there, which is very interesting. But. Um, uh, that wasn't my point, though. But I thought that I would, I would definitely like to piggyback on the fact that I definitely believe they exposed a lot of people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say some dirt about him, though. Mm-hmm. During the time of when Soul Train, even though Don Cornelius wasn't the black, <laughs> black dude, mm-hmm. but he was, he, but, we, but I'm inspired by him by what he did, though. Um, for black music and black artists, when no one else was doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, big up to Don on that, but. Uh, what the comment I was gonna make is that when Don was starting to really blow, Dick Clark tried to do this little side joint for black artists. Now they wasn't doing that before Don, Don and them got down. Oh, I forgot about that. Good to bring that up. Yeah. But but so so he had some funny styleness to him. You know what I'm saying? He he, he was kind of funny style. You know, and we're gonna call it state to state, but they mean but but the polarities in this universe. So. The other side is like, well, you know, Dick, you know, I feel more about what the show represented in my childhood. Cause I remember it being like, of course, you know, um, Injures and then wife uh, 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 was doing um, uh, uh, um, Soul Train Karate Flicks. Mm-hmm. They used to come on. And, uh, and, and the cast that remember, um, what's that joint that used to join, that used to come on? Also, there was boxing. Fact that would just be boxing on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. So, you know that was that, and, and then American Bandstand came on later. American Bandstand, I'm correct, they come up to like twelve or one. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to compete against Soul Train because they knew. Um, and then Soul Train was old, was younger than them, and they still didn't want to. But anyway, but but now nah, big up to him and for for, for, the, for the good that he did, and um, I definitely think he's worth finding out his history or whatever. And um, mm-hmm. I definitely uh, big up to that, that. I mean, that's kind of like a closing of an era. No doubt. Because uh, when hip hop was at its best, was in the 1980s, at its purest, that's that's pimp and prostituted. Dick was around, and and so Dick was a part of that. You know what I'm saying? So even though he didn't promote that, he was the American Bandstand was part of that era. So it was like you know. By guilt by association is a part of that era. And so this going is not necessarily like I said, to me it ain't about him. It's about him being a part of something that was historical mm-hmm. and, and that vehicle was, was something that was if if, if if you didn't like the groups that were on it, you were entertained maybe by the people who were on there. Mm-hmm. Or uh, um, uh, you got to uh, study performances from the, from that era or just it was just something that you, you, you might have watched. And so big up, big up to everybody who likes uh, American Bandstand 
and um, you know, big up to his family and um, and uh, everybody who performed on there, dance on there. No doubt, no doubt. Um, let me see here. You mentioned the era that you grew up with, um, Dick Clark. Um, American Bandstand by the time I was growing up was, I guess it was kind of on a decline. I had more memories of Soul Train and whatnot playing on my Saturday morning. And what yeah, happened? Yeah, I do, I do remember that joint being on. In my era, though, too. American mm-hmm. Bandstand was on the decline in my I mean, American Bandstand was American Bandstand in the 60s and early 70s. Oh, no doubt. I was surprised. So, but I'm just saying, you know, uh, uh, I mean, when I was getting it in the 80s and the 90s, I mean, it was really on its way out. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I mean, and, 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 and compared to the way it was when I was a little kid, because I had older brothers who were, who were musicians. So, uh, it, when, when as a little kid, the vibe seemed different. And, you know, I vibe and vibe. It ain't about, like, you know, like, you know, conversing with people. The vibe I felt as a kid, the same vibe I felt as an adult. So I remember the vibe being different from the mm-hmm. time. I was um, by the time the late eighties and the nineties came through, and it wasn't. It is. It, it, it was on its way out, like Soul Train was. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no doubt, no doubt. Um, my, I think I guess I am a more attached to Dick Clark in terms of the New Year's Eve scenarios. Like you would see the different acts of the time doing their late performances before twelve o'clock countdown, and somehow Dick Clark was always up there doing that countdown. I remember things from a little kid Until literally a few years ago And he'd be up there doing his thing So I guess I almost look at him as a part of the transitions of each year So it's almost kind of weird Even though I knew he was an older gentleman And that you know eventually he was going to pass away So I was like wow that one dude I literally grew up to Is out you know what I'm saying As well as you know a dude that to, to a certain degree my, my parents grew up to and whatnot, so you know, another <coughs> another person who did their thing in um media going over to the other end. So you know, R.I.P. to him. And um, as I was saying before, um, it's been a kind of an interesting um month that's happened here. Um, we are at the week of the two year um anniversary of the passing of Mr. Keith Ellum, also known as Guru from the Seminole. East Coast hip hop group Gangstar, you know, representing Boston and Brooklyn. Um, definitely RIP to him. And I hope his family and stuff is doing okay. And this year is. Oh, a- Luther Vandross. This is, I think, Luther Vandross died, I think, around this time. Um, around this time of year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's that's very oh, true. Yeah, I heard mm-hmm. on, a, on a radio station in D.C., you know, New York got the best radio station, no disrespect. But on the radio station in D.C., I heard them playing something um, on um, an old interview with Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross, who had died around this time a couple years ago, he said something that let me know that we were doing all right. Luther Vandross said, I I, I don't remember verbatim, but I remember Mm -hmm. the gist and I remember the the, the soul of it. He said, I never thought... It was, I think he said that I never thought it was necessary to change. I never thought that was necessary. Uh, 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 you know, if, 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 if I didn't feel like doing it. But when I heard Luther say that, and I was like, you know, and then, you know, I said, because who, who messed with Luther Vandross? Who mama messed with Luther Vandross? Happy messed with Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross was probably, when he was around, the best singer. You know, I love Stevie, but Luther Vandross was around. 
and Rupert Vandross said that. Man, mm-hmm. all these jokers saying whatever, whatever, whatever about you having a whatever, whatever. Rupert uh, said that that mm-hmm. wasn't mess. I mean, of course, if you want to, you want to, and maybe he, some people could say, well, maybe he whatever, whatever, but in an interview, uh, in, 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 uh, 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 that's what he said. Really, not his stuff never really changed. Dollar group and stuff stayed the same. But I thought that was very profound. You know what I'm saying? He he kept he kept in other words what the gut was, not necessarily what somebody told me to do. And then I became a, a slave or, or a hoe, and then was parroting what they said. You know what I'm saying? I'm seduced by it, so that I'm out there for I'm a vampire for. Nah, big up to who's a vampire. Okay, yep, I was gonna mention Luther, but you didn't got into more detail about that. So yeah, that happened this past um month as well. <clears throat> Let me pull everything back out here. And whatnot. Malcolm McLaren passed away this month. Um actually during that time frame around the same time Guru passed away. I think he might have died like a week or two beforehand. And um it's been eighteen years. <laughs> Both made constant time. They both, Malcolm McLaren and Google both made classic, classic hip hop. You know, because when Malcolm McLaren stuff came out, hip hop was at its purest. And Malcolm McLaren dropped and joined them. You know what I'm saying? Nah. There was such an energy in hip hop. Anyway, go ahead, continue. Excuse me. Alrighty. And, um,. Um, dang, I keep losing track here. Um, I was about to say, uh, this year marks 18 years since um, Illmatic dropped by Nas. Really? His um, premiere album. That. I was thinking about that at work today, and there's some classic joints on that album. Definitely one of the better albums of the 90s. No doubt, no doubt. And I'm the type of person where I believe Nas has put out good work since. But that's still his seminal album. Like to me, how Jay Z's "Reasonable Doubt" is still his seminal and like best album. No doubt about that. No so beyond the shadow of a doubt, the best thing Jay Z has ever done. No doubt. I mean, just look at the influence that even for latter hip hop generation cats that um, Nas had, and the fact that he worked with a whole bunch of old school cats or cats who were already, I guess, doing a lot of things at that time. I mean, you know, Q Tip was producing on there. Um, you know, you had um, Premier, Marley Marl. Um, you had a whole bunch of folks. Um, almost it was almost kind of a weird bridging the gap type of thing. Like you had the, uh, I guess what some would call the quote unquote golden age of hip hop cats, to the latter half of different type of cats, all melded in, of course, with Nas's talent, and um, made a very um dope and classic work. Cap. I mean, this is a work that people still sample the hell out of today. Or if you want to know how uh, hip hop. Mm-hmm. Let me add that P-Rock was on there and Molly Maul was not on there. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, that's true. Yeah, Molly Maul was, it was, um, it was, it was, it was, it was, <laughs> P-Rock, Premier, um, and Large Professor. L.E.S. was on there, yeah. And, uh, and, and those were the characters. I remember there was a picture and I think the source and they all was around him. And I remember when that, I remember when that dropped. That was, that was a, a necessary LP. I will say this though, uh-huh. it was a great LP. It wasn't the best LP of the '90s, but it was great, and I think that it was better than anything that was. It, that album was better than anything that was outside of New York. You know what I'm saying? 
thousands contending with cats within New York. So, I mean, you know, it, 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 was, it was one of the better albums of the 90s. You know what I'm saying? It just, there was some tough stuff coming out of NY in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? And I would put it in the top 10, though. You know what I'm saying? For, for best albums of the 90s. Alrighty. Um, yeah, man, I've, I've lost my train of thought on that. But, um, yeah, this, this is one of those albums that, real short summation, because we've gone on a little bit on this. Um, it's one of those joints I think that definitely influenced a lot of people who were coming up around that time frame. And I think when you look at a long-term hip-hop artist, it's almost like when a cat can either re-reference certain lyrics from an old, older album, or actually use that album or a verse or something into a new song later on. And everybody knows exactly where it came from. Um, I think Nas had one of those type of albums. I mean, if you listen to that joint back to back, I mean, he had stuff out beforehand. I think it was mostly uh, more the movie sounders, like you know, he had the halftime track on the um, what the heck is that um joint? Um, well, I know he had halftime that was on the movie sound. I can't think of the movie title right now, and a few other deals, but that was really his coming to the scene track. And whatnot. I mean, of course, you know, his appearance on main sources live at the barbecue. But I think that showed that he was more than just a cat who could spit like a nice line or two. That he could really get them narratives and other things going on and keep things tight. Plus, I think a lot of people in this age don't necessarily understand that was an album that had next to no guest appearances on it at all. It's almost random to see somebody just kind of shoulder that weight on their own. And one thing is for sure, though. Um, there was he had AC on there. AC maybe was an unknown at that time, mm-hmm. but uh, so it wasn't completely. He didn't have any known dudes on there, but he had a dude on there with him. Oh yeah, I mean, AZ, 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 you can't you can't put on AZ verse on there. I'm not saying you, but people can't put on AZ's verse, and and the song would have had a different vibe if AZ wasn't on there. So there was somebody on there. He just didn't have like maybe nowadays cats. He has top selling cats on there. To get that extra drive or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Now, Rock Kim's first album, there was nobody on it. You know what I'm saying? G-Rap's first album, there was nobody but him on it. If I'm correct, was that my point about G-Rap? If I'm correct, nobody was on it. So, there, you know, the idea of nobody on there, that, that, not everybody did that, you know what I'm saying? But that's still a great LP, though. No doubt. The point um, being that I was going to remake was that there was next to nobody on there, but like a lot of these albums now are compilation fest almost. Where known or unknown, there's always somebody guesting on there where it's almost like they're shouldering the weight for some of these other guys. I mean, you had AZ, but I mean, you can't even really name nobody else on Illmatic. I mean, Q-Tip, you know, do a little bit of the quiet hook on One Love, but that was it. And you know You have cats don't even do that on mixtapes anymore So it's just one of those things that just kind of made me scratch my head And be like damn because I distinctly remember when Illmatic dropped and For people who might be like You know all these old people talking Well one thing me and you are that old In the long run It's just one of those things where For me that was a period of time when I was hemming and hawing and scraping up dollars and pennies to buy cassettes and CDs. And going to whatever the local store is. For me, it was like Kent Mill Music and all of that for those people around the D.C. metro area. And The Wiz. And just being there like, what the hell am I going to buy this week? 
like music release Tuesday was a real day. I mean, you still have folks like Tribe dropping classics. Um, if you were on the street hip hop, and I mean, this when like a whole bunch of cats were still doing their thing from the '80s. Much yeah, less, you know, the Wu Tangs and other cats coming out. Yeah. Grandpa wanted did a live, and that was the best to me. Uh, before 1995, that was the best. That was one of that. Well, Buster had some joints out. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a lot of competition. It's hard to say who had the best album in the 90s. Yeah. In New York. That's hard to say. G-Rap was still doing joints. Uh, uh, Rock Chain was still doing. Uh-huh. We're going to have K.R.S. was still doing joints. I mean, it, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know out of New York. I don't know. That's a lot. You know what I'm saying? Not to mention the chronic was out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and Tupac, I mean, that had, and Tupac is from New York. I mean, you know, he went to the West Coast, but to me, he's a New Yorker. He was born in New York. <laughs> Excuse me. People, you know, he just added something to somebody else. But, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. that holograph thing with Tupac, I don't know. I don't know if I'm big on that. I don't know. Well, I was about to try to get into that joint um, with wrapping that up because that's definitely a major thing that I have weird feelings about. But, um,. Yeah, I don't know. Like when I hear those type of things about how old an album is, and it literally feels like yesterday, even though I was a teenager when that dropped, it just brings back a certain flavor of an era. Like um, John Judah brought up a whole bunch of great albums that dropped around that particular time frame when Nomadic dropped, and you know we mentioned East Coast to West Coast. I mean, you had Ghetto Boys out there. That's right. You had Scarface um, getting ready to drop his um, first solo because that first solo came out around the time frame. I think I was in the latter half of um, my high school period. Um, I got introduced to UGK and whatnot around the mid-90s and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, I mean, people were doing it and getting it in to a point where almost unless you were a rich person or you just happened to be that DJ cat who was able to get a bunch, your access to the ill promos. I know we're in the MP3 age now, but really quick babbling about this um when you got to a certain point you would get record promos like vinyl promos and then you know transit cd promos and stuff like that so i can't imagine how double would have been to be a dj at that time you just had labels dropping all them classic joints on you because even when i got into the, the business around the late 90s i felt awesome when loud was still existing and i started getting free records epic so for that guy who got that crispy white Label Illmatic I mean damn That had to be hot <laughs> You know what I'm saying But yeah Big ups to Nas I know he has a new album Coming out this year And whatnot. We've been rocking the single That um, was produced By the late great Heavy D And um, he's been Dropping some pretty Solid joints on the net So I hope that this album um, Is a cool one I mean the joint He had with Damian Marley I thought was fantastic and um, some other joints And I think you know he still shows that He respects his foundation From the path that influenced him To become an MC in his own past To make stuff happen And for an overall longer term career If we had to get into A Jay-Z versus Nas situation I think he's been more of a creatively Free individual Than Jay-Z Well, Everybody can debate about how they feel about overall Albums and sales and stuff like that But I think the 99.9% of the time Nas stayed more true to who he was at that time and whatnot. But uh, <laughs> anyway, man, just wanted to, to note that one of the, at least for me, one of the latter day 
damn near classics if not classics of um hip-hop as a whole you still got cats trying to imitate how Nas freaking sounds from that time frame when he had chip teeth if nobody remembers that period and whatnot like in them old videos you know dental work is cool and everything but like i remember chip teeth Nas like bugging on the mic so that's cool but um yeah man speaking of the past and music let's just transition right into that um this tupac shakur hologram for those who have not seen it yet on the web um this past week there's a big spring festival here in the states called coachella and they have a whole bunch of different music acts and stuff performed and dr dre was one of the closing acts along with snoop Dogg and a whole bunch of other people and what dre did was bring out this hologram image almost um 3d-esque of tupac and they had performed a few songs with it and what was kind of freaky about it was it's it's done very well for people who kind of have a tech geek edge and whatnot it's like wow that that's kind of crazy and heaven forbid those who were probably on some drugs in the con in the um audience who saw that probably thought that yeah i'm going to stop doing drugs i see tupac on stage with dre in them right now um it's one of those situations where i'm more worried about what happened because they're saying that they want to try to bring stuff like this on the road and that essentially means that you on your own feel that you can't do a dope show you got to ride off of the good feelings people had of a man who died 15 years ago essentially you're riding off of those memories in a fancy light show and a part of me feel that that's tacky on a lot of levels especially because now you're hearing more and more artists talking about yeah we know we we should do that too because you know how the bandwagon scene and stuff goes here and let's be real besides those headphones dr dre hasn't really been doing much the past few years and i know that the tupac um estate and stuff has been doing okay and supposedly they did get um approval by uh mr Fini shakura tupac shakura's mother but i don't know man it just <coughs> it's just a little bit weird and my conspiracy side almost said that it's like almost catch a leeching off a homeboy spirit and that they want to do that to a whole bunch of other people but um i digress how do you feel about it judah um i feel basically the same way i mean i mean um I mean, if, if a Feeney's getting some money out of it, you know, I think that, that if she's getting some change out of it, then I'm, I, I say proceed. Otherwise, I don't know, it just seems kind of, I don't know, it, 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 you know, there's some things I can say, but I don't know, I don't want this to be misinterpreted, mm-hmm. but I will say that um, 90s hip-hop is very strong when you got people you got 90s hip-hop and New York influenced hip-hop, but New York hip-hop is very strong when people will put on a light show when they did for them and get money off the fat off that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something, something, I mean, it's all good. It's all good. I mean, do you, you know what I'm saying? You know, um, you know, I think if it's real, you don't need that. Mm-hmm. If it's real, you need that. I just don't even know if I believe Tupac would have wanted that. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, it just feels very opportunistic. Because both Dre and Snoop, while 
they do still have careers. I think more of their careers is feeding off of nostalgia back from the 90s period. During the chronic and doggy style eras. And it felt kind of weird. I'm like, that's what got people excited. I mean, yeah, people, when I was on the net, when the video and info dropped, they were more excited about the damn hologram than the guys who performed. And I don't know if that shows how crazy to say the mainstream hip-hop is right now or, you know, the love folks have for Tupac Secure's music or whatever. But I'm like, if I was a live performer, I'd be scared as hell. Like, you're getting outstaged by a hologram. But I digress. That's just one of those things that I hope people don't try to run to the ground and pimp the death of any music genre. Because you know other people are hemming and hawing it right now. Supposedly, um, since the Jacksons are going on to the remaining ones. <coughs> supposedly, they're talking about bringing the Michael Jackson one out there. And I'm like, Jesus, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that That's going to be damn tacky. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was the one... <laughs> Pardon me, everybody. Uh-huh. Somebody got to have a backbone be like, nah. We just, we just get... Uh, one of, uh, get Marlon or Randy to sing his song. You know what I'm saying? Keep, keep it in the blood. Keep it, keep it organic. You know what I'm saying? Cause we, cause we got so organic that we don't need technological things. <laughs> no, no doubt. We use, that to, we use that as the ghost in the machine. We use that so the ghost can go in the machine. But not in the sense as a hologram, but then through melodies, drums, or what have you. No doubt. I mean, I'm curious to see if this is going to be a one off thing or if people want to try to ride that particular wave because you almost had to think like somebody would eventually just try to do a best of everybody live show. Like, you'll see Dead Elvis on stage, you'll see ODB on stage, you know. And God knows what else. It's like, okay, let's let's just nip that in the bud right now, all right? That's, that's not going to be the way to go. Like, if you're group is either about to break up or they've been kind of dry lately don't bring back dead member number two on stage so you feel special that that's just bad on a whole bunch of levels you know what i'm saying we're supposed to be in hip-hop hip-hop didn't mean it i don't think hip-hop meant that you know there's a lot of people rapping but they're not really doing hip-hop in general Mm. you know what i'm saying that's (laughs) That's what that means. I just don't believe that's what that means. But, you know, each zone. All right. No doubt. No doubt. A part of me, everybody, I've been coughing because I've been getting over some allergies. So this little dry cough's like what's remaining for me while I'm in the lab. So that's why you're hearing them noises. But, um, yeah, man. Let me see if I got any other music really things. And I'll get right into the other parts of um these stories. But, um, yeah, that looks like about it on the music end. So let's get into a little more of the um, heavier stories and one or two things on the goofy end. And then get right into the radio show. Um, for those um, who have been keeping track with the Trayvon Martin case here in the States, um, George Zimmerman had ended up being finally arrested. Now he's in um, protected custody. And... Um, as of earlier today, he had a bond hearing, and he got bond and whatnot. And they're supposed to be um, transferring him to um, another location with, um, what's that thing they put on, like, the, the ankle thing that has GPS? I forget what, what legal name they have for it now. <laughs> but um, he's supposed to be monitored by that and on curfew and all of that noise and before trial. And all I can say is I'm not surprised at the fact that he got bailed. 
I'm surprised at how relatively low it was. <laughs> Excuse me, he got out on $150,000 bail. And while they had um, that particular trial hearing, he seemed like he gave kind of a half-assed apology to Trayvon Martin's parents, which I didn't buy. You know, he was just trying to be like, you know, he was like essentially in a summation was like, yeah, you know, I didn't know how young you was and I didn't know he was armed. I'm sorry you lost your son. And it's like, well, you couldn't have said that about God knows about a month ago when this happened. But now when you get ready to get your bail hearing and soon to be on trial, you're, you're trying to look a little sympathetic. Okay, dude, whatever. No can't trust it. Cash, so I guess we can't expect nothing from cash to have no soul or no cash. No. And, you know, his, 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 the, the, the um, Trayvon Martin's parents' lawyers read Homeboy, and that was good, I feel, and whatnot. And, you know, the argument's been made over and over, but we know the roles reversed that if it was a black dude um, caught up in that mix shooting some, you know, cat of another ethnic background. I don't even say a white cat, I'd say a cat of another ethnic background. They would have been under the jail by now. That's right, of any other ethnic background. Mm-hmm. If they were black, they would have been. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, even if they were black, they would have been under jail because it would have been a class thing because you talk about the gated community and all that type of stuff. But you would have still been talking about these are the stereotypes we look at as being quote unquote most dangerous. So, um, we'll see how the trial goes. I truly hope that for once some type of justice happens in a courtroom since it's going to happen on the other end, whether it's, you know, when he dies or you know in prison or whatever else but i would like to actually see the u.s justice system work i know people are really gunning for these stand your ground laws that um he's trying to use as a justification for killing um the young man trayvon martin so i think that's good but let's see a case where something actually works especially in a region that you know god bless my people who are on point and cool in florida but florida is kind of a bugged out state yo (laughs) it's a very bugged out state so um, we'll see how all that stuff um <clears throat> goes. <coughs> Shake down to the courage. I, I already see it now. I already see it now. White people gonna be shooting black folks left and right. He felt I felt threatened. I see it already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you know, that's not saying that white who have guns who's not gonna be that way. But you know they're ones amongst you that are gonna be that way. So whites have to check those whites. Well, it's not going to surprise me. I mean, stand your ground laws are so nebulous, especially depending on what state they're in, that they could get to that, that you know the extremes of what people are afraid of can occur actually i think something along those lines with a robbery like a like a neighbor saw somebody else's house getting robbed and they shot two guys in the back but they used that in your own ground laws and got off i'm not saying they couldn't maybe try to do whatever they could but i'm like you're shooting dudes in the back and you're on the phone talking to catch you shooting dudes in the back so imagine like um somebody get into a fight and you know they might be getting the worst end of things if it's a fist-to-fist situation that you know a gun gets pulled out, I was standing my ground. That's a little ridiculous. And you know, as John Judas says, somebody can make up some some scenarios where next thing you know, somebody's gonna try to use that indirectly to protect themselves from doing some dirt. So um, I'm glad people are going against the um, ALC um, organization that has been pushing a lot of politicians to push these stupid laws. And um, 
that people in their own individual states are going against these laws. But first and foremost, let's please try to get something happening proper with the Trayvon Martin case while, while aiming at these laws and other types of craziness that could give people essentially a right to kill. For no real reason, but because they mad at something. Or they mad they lies or whatever, whatever. So There's some wretched souls out here. And I and, and I, I lived in Jersey, New York, but in VA and um, DC Maryland, it ain't no difference. It's some <coughs> walking around. And old type old type think right and think right, cause you know what I'm saying? You gotta need protection from the creative from these from these wretched folks. Lie, try to mess you up on your job, mess you up in the street or whatever, whatever. With the cops, courts, whatever. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of bugged out things and the law, um, this situation with the U.S. Secret Service in Colombia has just blown up in all kinds of crazy ways since we had our last show. That all it is is the first cast that got caught. And you, you we all, smoke. I, I, I just, in my right mind, I already know that they were doing something. Somebody slipped up. I think it's something with some payment. Somebody didn't want to pay the holes, right? You got to pay the holes. And then, blah, 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 boom, boom, boom. They, they had already, like, I just the first time they was messing with some holes. Oh, no. Oh, well. There were other situations that could have been in compromise. Well, I'll put it like this. That's not that part. I don't think it should even be a question. They got caught. They got caught in the stupidest way in the world. Um, real quick breakdown for those who aren't familiar with the story. Um, there's been at least, I think, now eleven or twelve Secret Service agents who were um, guarding President Obama in Colombia, and I guess they had their break period or whatever. And they went to a brothel in Colombia, got some drinks. Um, as John Judas so eloquently said, got some hoes. And whatnot, and mind you, prostitution over in Colombia is legal. So let let's get that particular part out the way. Um, they went to a spot that actually a lot of tourists know about, and what they did besides you know doing that type of stuff, they're all running around bragging about they protect President Obama this and the third. They did not pay the ladies for their services. So naturally, this is a country where again this is legal. I mean, it gets taxed and all that type of stuff. Um, you know, scuffles occurred and whatnot. Words occurred and. Um, police got involved and those police in the secret service got involved into um a whole lot of mess as um abc news said they paid for and received services from the quote-unquote highest category prostitutes available at the club and from what has been said during um, this particular um, period of time while we're recording this broadcast this first started because a secret service agent didn't pay one of the ladies of the night forty dollars all these cats ruined their careers at bare minimum because trust to believe none of those guys are going to have their job at the end of this. None of them. They ruined their careers for $40. Was it really worth it? Were those women really that on point? Because, you know, let's not get on some fake clutch or pearl type of deal. We know this type of thing happens, okay? And I'm sure in periods past, there's been Secret Service people and other folks who, who've been getting theirs on the side. During these details or other types of stuff. But can you imagine going home and being there like, baby, I got fired from the Secret Service. And for people who have done any type of work remotely near a government agency, to get secret, to get the clearance that those guys have, probably took years. Much less the training and stuff they have. Like, when you get that type of clearance, you're automatically eligible for a certain amount of money. You go home, baby, I got fired. 
what? 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 Why'd you get fired? Why you want an investigation? You can't even say you were a spy or something. You gotta be like, well, what happened was the, the hoes were supposed to be on sale and I ain't feel like paying the hoes. What the hell type of thing is that to go home to? Besides the fact that, you know, all your business now is out on TV and um, God knows what else. And depending on how they screen those um, ladies, you might have been bringing back some nice medical thing too to deal with. I just think this entire story is truly ridiculous. And I think that just shows how poor judgment can get sometimes with them hormones and booze combined and people don't got no sense. Well, it comes down to me. <laughs> Excuse me. Freedom because they're going to continue to do this. And most cats going to continue to do that. This have paid them and kept it moving. $40. Now, like, $240. It was just $40. You know what I'm saying? $40. Yeah. $40. Drop that and bounce. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I do know as a... For the type of dude I've evolved to... I realize that most cats ain't gonna be able to not do that. Most cats are not on the road to to be that person, and most cats naturally are not like that. So, um, so it's like you know, boom, boom, boom. But you know, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And um, but I had always thought for years, most people who do dirt are never gonna get caught, whether it's dirt on a, on that end or whether it's dirt on a, on on a, on a, on, a, on, a, on somebody getting killed, because that screening process for those cats didn't work. Well, the screen them, that didn't work. Their mm-hmm. process didn't work. Those cats got in. Yeah. So what meant, they didn't screen them right. They didn't screen them. They, they meant that something else could have got through. Mm-hmm. And I had always been thinking, I'm like, they're not going to be the kids. All this homeland security mess, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody on the inside paying them to do something. But because the screening mechanism, you know, is put forth mostly by people who... We're not necessarily looking at it in the way it should be. It's not going to happen. Otherwise, this thing wouldn't happen with the Secret Service. Like you said, it takes years for them to get that clearance. Which mm-hmm. meant that they, it was years for them to get surveyed by people who didn't really, who didn't see that. Or, it wasn't that, um, uh, well, you know, because you got caught, you know, we all in this culture, you know what I'm saying? But you got caught, so now we got to make an example of you. And it's mm-hmm. probably people who are in that courtroom, DAs, lawyers, and uh, other uh, government people who are pointing their finger down them, knowing they had a whole night. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Also, no disrespect to anybody, but I don't refer to women working at a brothel as ladies. If they were ladies, they wouldn't be working at a brothel. That's just me. You know what I'm saying? I, I believe that they should be respected, but they're not ladies, though. You know what I'm saying? But you know, big up. You know, you know, but make it, make it, make it dodo. It's all good. <clears throat> yeah, I mean. I honestly, because I don't know, I'm just at the age, I'm like, I know this type of thing occurs, whatever, whatever. To have so much on the line, I mean, you know, as, as far out there as it could sound, I mean, they're at that high level. Heaven forbid somebody said the wrong thing, they passed on some information, and that could have caused the predator some harm. You know what I'm saying? Like, people were that open to say that much stupid type of stuff. It, it it's just bugged out to me and again if you're going to indulge in in your particular type of dirt you know and i don't advocate this type of thing by any way shape or form but i know what happens let's just keep it 100 um why aren't you trying to handle your business because you know somebody's family is ruined right now ruined their lives will never be the same after this and you know a lot of it is going to be because somebody's going to try to 
watch their own backs and protect themselves. I mean, I'm telling you, in a week or two after we talk about this, I bet all none of those cats have jobs. Like the, the luckiest cats gonna be able to resign. Or they're going to be in a severely lower position than what they were before. And I'm sure there's some cats who were working there for years who got messed up because one day boys ain't want to pay $40 for a transaction. And that, my friend, is a shame. But yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. last bone in there is that I'm pretty sure there was one cat that didn't do it who was amongst them was like, nah, I'm cool. And I bet you the cat that didn't do it <laughs> he heard a couple. He heard a couple comments from other people like, "Oh, why don't you want to do it? Yo, you should want to. Yo, man, you see you on roll that up? Nah, I'm good. Man, mm-hmm. I bet you he was viewed as the odd man out. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm about to say that. That's the guy who's just sitting back, just there, like, yeah. I'm not trying to dish y'all guys, but it was pretty good that I just stayed in the room with my little bottle of henny. But check <laughs> what about your way? But, but check it though. With but by by check and bring up bring jokers down, yo. You know what I'm saying? If it's not if it's not in the right situation, whatever, whatever. You know, and I I, I, I hear you. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that wraps that up in a perfect manner and whatnot. Um, yeah, I got about two or three more stories. We'll wipe out some of this other stuff for um next week that I thought was um pretty important um real interesting story that came from the um guardian shout out to my folks from the uk who sent over this story this week um there it has been um research being done where a lot of papers from the british colonial governments um it showed that past papers from british colonial governments were burnt or lost or hidden during the final years of the British Empire in Africa to prevent them falling to the hands of post-independence governments of various countries. So they could go and try to get um, restitution or whatever for things that happened. Um, this, a lot of this paperwork came out when a group of Kenyans um, <clears throat> excuse me, sued and um, <clears throat> whatnot the British government um, for various um, acts of torture and detaining and things during the Mau Mau Rebellion. And the British Foreign Office um, released over 88,000 files from 37 former colonies. That shows that a decent amount of stuff um, was, you know, literally hidden or, or destroyed just so that the governments of these countries with majority people of color in Africa and Asia wouldn't be able to get back at the British government. Because they want to, re- also they want to recolonize them too. <coughs> That's the best way to solve the problems that they started in Africa. Them and the Arabs is to recolonize. Africa is in trouble. Recolonization and revision of history. And both ends of that is a very, um, very scary thing. Uh, and um, to summate this article, um, definitely check out the Guardian's article. It's really in depth. It's a kind of a long read, but it's just amazing to see the the, le- the levels people went in the British government to try to wipe stuff up. And of course, they didn't put that on the mainstream um, radio stations here in America and and news stations here in America and what have you. They were talking about that there were specific instructions um, issued in 1961 
um, trying to block um, different paper from getting to the hands of the um, Kenyan um, post-colonization um, government, um, post the um, Mau Mau Rebellion, different um, massacres that occurred in um, <coughs> excuse me, um, various countries. Um, let me see here. I'm doing a little quick scan and whatnot. And um, you got people. Hmm? I also heard recently, I got to do more research on it, that Obama's father was supposedly a part of that, uh, people who wanted to stop the Mau Mau, the, the Mau Mau being, you know, a Kenyan group that wanted to uh, get the British out. And, and I've been told that if Obama's father was a part of the group with Jomo Kenyatta that wanted to, wanted to kill, wanted to, wanted the Mau Mau to destroy. So, I don't know, I don't, you know, it's just, you know, black president still, you know, you got to be connected in some ways, you know what I'm saying? But I just wanted to throw that out there, that's just, uh, <coughs> excuse me, research. Um, no doubt. They were talking about Uganda. This particular process was codenamed Operation Legacy, and um, it just had different names for different countries. But it was specific request to have a thorough purge of various documents that were going down to the point where they wanted to make sure that some of these um, older files, what they call legacy files, would have no reference to anything that happened during those certain time frames that people could go after the British government against. And um, yeah, it's 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 a crazy article, man. But you know, God bless those folks who decided they wanted to go hard and pull out this piece of history. And um, shout out to the Guardian for really doing their research and going through the paperwork and stuff. Because you know, we we can't make anything better happen in the future if we don't know the path. And that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And to see that. Up until this time in 2012, and we're talking about the last ends of um, post-colonial Africa, we're talking about the 60s and for some countries the 70s. You know, people were really doing dirt then. You know, when they saw that you know that last tenuous hole was going to be taken away, whether it was by force or by treaty, for these um, countries to gain independence and their own particular forms of government. And yeah, it's it's just mind blowing that this type of thing happened, and that luckily this type of information has um <clears throat> excuse me gone down and occurred. And they said there's still a whole lot of Chinese secret archives to be um, dug up, so we'll see what happens. And they put the Chinese in Africa, tempting, you know, man, <laughs> moving people off land in um, Nigeria. So that's so, but. Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, I was gonna say something else, but now nah, I'm just going to show you that you know, there's a lot of funny stuff and stuff going on. And the fact that they don't think God, as the fact that the British government don't think God Almighty ain't gonna sink that island one day, it, it just amazes me. <coughs> wow. The Earth is in Africa. Egypt, the Pyramid of Giza, the Pyramid of Giza, the, the middle pyramid, the biggest of those. The Egyptians mapped it perfectly. That's the middle of the Earth. Which is, uh, uh, we're going, going to the east, west, and north, and south. But it was later changed to be Britain, which later changed to be in England. But it was first done and it's built perfectly mapping there. So, you know, by, by, by harming that and with the vibrations that it took to come up with that and to come up with that knowledge, something bad gonna happen to everybody that messed with us. That's just how it is. Wow. And that's where we're and we're the seeds of Africa as African Americans. Something bad gonna happen. 
Well, that's why we got to think right and be right. Because so mm-hmm. when they go down, it ain't going to happen to us. Word up. Well, I'm going to go ahead and put it simply like this. As a person who is very intensely into history whether it's my academic major to just that's the thing i've always been into ever since i was a little kid um there's always been a thing where those who quote unquote were the victors won the spoils including trying to rewrite history it's interesting to see that certain stuff that different groups of people tried to bury is a lot of it's been coming out in the past 100 or so years and whatnot whether it's artifacts um papers um, whatever have you Whether it's something like this information To the Dead Sea Scrolls um, The Quantra Pro papers coming out here in states About all the folks who are going to get to civil rights leaders And the list going on and on and on um, When you truly try to do crazy stuff It always comes out So I think it's good that this particular bit of information comes out And I hope for those countries It helps people out And um, whatnot. it helps us also to maybe learn I mean everybody's probably not going to But hopefully somebody will be like Hey this ain't the routine we're supposed to go Because that ain't right That's not right in any way shape or form No matter how much it may save face at a temporary moment But um, yeah man And speaking of people who tried to save face And it's just kind of blowing up in people's faces Another story that I think is shameful That has not come out in the United States I'm sure people remember about a year or so ago there was a big BP oil spill in the um, Gulf here in the United States and there has been um, research by um, Al Jazeera shout out to that um, media organization kind of funny how first people were like you know we're eyeball Al Jazeera kind of weird and America's eyeball Al Jazeera kind of weird because they're like becoming um, the Arab region's BBC in terms of they'll just throw dirt on anybody and just say whatever and go from there they have a study where it talks about the after effects of the bp oil spill on the um sea life (coughs) in the gulf region and um yeah it's 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 a crazy crazy write-up and there's some crazy crazy pictures with it but it shows that um there have been deformities from the, the cellular level on up with the food where they say fishermen scientists and seafood processors who've been around that region for over 20 plus years have never seen some of the mutations that have happened with the um, fish crabs and shrimp around there and some of those deformities are things where it goes to eyeless fish shrimp without eyes fish without eye sockets um visible tumors on shrimp and fish um, crabs missing claws Crabs with holes in their shells um, Crabs that are literally dying From the inside out Even though they can look healthy on the inside And all that type of thing You gotta think that some of that's probably got to our food system Much less things that may look okay on the outside Having elevated levels of um, nickel And vanadium from both Not just the oil spill itself But all the chemical mixture they had That's supposed to wipe away the oil so we're going to be seeing the after effects of this for a while. And again, for us here in the States to not have even heard this story, it, it's crazy. It's insane. I mean, you, I mean, you got to think about there's fishermen who that's their, been their job. Some of these people in those regions, you know, that's a job they pass on to other family members. When you're going and pulling up stuff, and you're seeing enough of that where, where it's starting to, to really bug you. That, that's crazy. That's really damn crazy. See, when people are trying to get the of earth, air, fire, water, and ether, earth 
if you have to eat food from the earth, fire the sun. Sun stimulates our brain in certain ways, particularly people of color. Uh, water. Water. This, this is something that our bodies, our bodies are attached to the ecosystem in a spiritual way. So this is something that affected the water and then in the food. So, um, and, and, and thereby affecting the air in some way because it's just water, you know. Uh, 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 air is just uh, 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 another form of water. So it's like, you know, when these type of things go down, it just really goes to show you at the core of it that there's something that is that is anti-life going on and that that there are some people that can't make it out of this realm and they're going to try to stop you from making out of here you know what I'm saying by either having fear or uh, polluting yourself or whatever whatever this shows you it just goes to show you these food from down there can't be eaten yeah. period the yeah. biggest seafood mm. situation in the United States though is in the Boston area I think that's the biggest one in North America. So it, 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 ain't, it ain't completely killed the industry from the state. So that fishery over in Massachusetts, it, that's the sun bitch over there. They got a lot of fish up in there. Um, but but it, won't, it won't kill it, but I don't think if it, if, 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 I don't think anybody should eat anything that comes from down there or from Japan. Remember that, that, that thing that happened over in Japan, that, uh, that, that radiation, so there's radiation spewing in the air. It is air. That's part of the the, um, the air. The air and the ether are combined. So it's like you breathe in, you bring you you breathe those things in. You know, part of the sustaining thing that the sustaining human being, air and ether. So when you put it in the air, that's kind of calling it. That, that's you know. I mean, when uh, the radiation goes. So there's a lot of anti anti God things going on, and I don't think they're by accident. Wow. Well. There's something going on, and it's it's not a good look. I mean, you don't gotta be believing in too much to be like, I don't want to eat no damn fish with no eyes that's supposed that with no eye that's supposed to have some damn eyes. You know what I'm saying? You know, like if you saw that at um your local shopping store, Pathmark, Giant, Safeway, whatever, you'd be like, hell no, I don't want that damn fish. That don't look right. And Oh well, well, but but you gotta think about it. Like for people who don't have scruples, they'll just cut off the head and keep it moving. I mean, luckily this is coming out to a point where it's you know people have made that type of fuss and um, whatever. But you know this should be frightening because mind you, this doesn't mean this is just stuck in that in that place. It's not like fish only swim in one area and what have you. So this stuff is probably affecting folks further down south and maybe to degree a little further east too at least the southeastern region and um that's worrisome and another thing that's really bugged out about this story is it says that the fda epa and noaa for those who know the noaa is that the national oceanic and atmospheric administration in the united states have refused to comment on this and of course bp because they got sued beforehand and whatnot um they're trying to be all well, you know, the the food in the Gulf is as safe as it was before the accident, which is like, yeah, right. Um, and a quote in this story that I had to pull up, because this is crazy, this is from a lifelong fisherman in the Gulf, was talking about, we're still continuing to pull up oil from our nets. 
Think about losing everything that makes you happy because that's exactly what happens when somebody spills oil and sprays disparage in it. People who live here know better than to swim in or eat what comes out of our waters. Direct quote. So those guys are like, hell no, I ain't eating that stuff. Because they never seen nothing like that before. And um, we were talking about the um, percentage of what everybody pulls um, earlier. The Gulf of Mexico provides nearly 30 to 40% of the seafood caught in the U.S. Big amount. So we got to think about all this type of stuff when it's affecting, you know, the land, air, and CEO because, you know, that balance gets off. A lot of stuff's going to get knocked out the box. And for anybody who's hopped into the grocery store and tried to buy a few things lately, you know it's already damn expensive to get decent things. Much less whatever else. I mean, I don't want to get to that period of time where a can of tuna costs like $5 for a can. But it may because of stuff like this happening and people not, you know, doing the right thing. So, gotta watch nature, y'all. For real. And again, shout out to Al Jazeera for bringing up this story and doing some really in-depth research about that. <coughs> Excuse me. Damn. And last thing, man, because we got to a whole bunch of stuff during this show. Let's end it on the upswing and the up note. Um, two cool 2012 Pulitzer Prizes occurred in um, the world this week. One of which was a posthumous um, Pulitzer Prize given to Manning Marable um, for his biography of Malcolm X, Malcolm X, A Life of Reinvention. Um, very good book. I don't necessarily agree with some of the tags he had in terms of writing the book. I think it almost tried to mainstream Malcolm's views a little too much. But very in-depth about how folks were looking into um, why he was assassinated. And various forces from whether it was um, the U.S. government to um, fringe groups and whatnot who um, tried to kill him because of his developing views not necessarily his past views but um i think it's something that i think a lot of people should read and um check out if for no other purpose um his early history and that particular portion is very interesting so i think that's cool a important book on a um very important person in the um civil rights movement in the united states got a write-up and <coughs> excuse me pardon me um let me see here um, also, film critic Wesley Morris got a <clears throat> Pulitzer Prize this year as well. He's a film critic for the um, Boston Globe, and he got one for criticism. He does good, pretty freaking writing. Search out some of his stuff or whatever. It's like um, when I got the Pulitzer Prize, listen to people like, hey, this is a black dude. Um, Try to see what was good. And he's a very good writer. So shout out to both of those dudes for um, getting things going on and whatnot and yeah i just thought that was a nice little bit of news on the upswing and all of that and for my comic book nerds the avenger comes out in the avengers comes out in two weeks as somebody who grew up as a tomboy reading all types of marvel comics i hope it's going to be a good movie and a good series and um yeah, I'll probably be geek out and watch it and give a little review on the radio show and what have you. But yeah, man, that's about it. We touch base on a lot today. And we got a lot of music to get into in the mix by myself and John Judah. 
So let's get it in. 21st Century Black Radio. Old school, new school music combined, but no filler, no payola, no selling out. Um, commentary that, you know, comes from two average black folks, but we all we will do is provoke your minds and stimulate some thoughts. You don't got to agree with us or love us, but you know we aren't trying to treat you like you dumb. And what have you. So get the mind sparked, get the feet tapping. That's what the Fuse Box Radio is all about. So we're going to get into a DJ Fusion, John Judah, syndicated Fuse Box Radio broadcast, 21st Century Black Radio, about to get it in. All right. Peace. Now listening to Fusebox Radio with DJ Fuse. It ain't hard to tell. I excel, then prevail. The mic is contacted, I attract clientele. My mic check is life or death, breathing a sniper's breath. I exhale the yellow smoke of Buddha through righteous steps, deep like the shining. Sparkle like a diamond, sneak on on the island, and my army jacket lining. Hit the earth like a comet. Invasion, Nazis like the Afro-Sigian, half man, half amazing. Cause in my physical, I can't express through song. Delete stress like my trend, then extend strong. I drink my wet with Medusa, give a shot to hell. From the split that I lived in in hell. It ain't hard to tell. Shot with a shoddy, then yeah. go back to prison. 
top of the morning, hot to in my lungy portions. Monkey calling your torso, tear maternal organs. Parents calling, cause I sniff liquors. I smoke Hennessy, broke mentally, coughing. Men to be orphans, tend to be off them parallel spaces. After them days, you're still sleeping. Take six, obese balls, wreck a weight lift. Seesaw back and forth with squad dog forever showing off. Need to set some pounds, never come around they high. Lies you push, confusing all. Besides, you choose a call, you wanna ride? Leave you slumped outside of the star. Keep your eyes on the ball, let it bounce where it may. Plus, the funeral parlor smell like an ounce of haze. Count the ways of manipulation and deception. Get you stressing everything you work for in quest. Hey, yo, it's 5 a.m., 456 to 4506, like 666. You couldn't MC if your name was MC. Please, MCs better run when I empty guns. I'm a diabolic, psychotic, melodic MC killer. I fill a priest up with slugs for trying to creep it up. Your boy turn my rock like Carlos Santana. You couldn't twist up a knot on Pac's bandana. <laughs> Now listening to Fusebox Radio with DJ Fuse.
come to me, you the sound of me, run to me When I speak to you, you lunch, food and eatable Then now the words you edible, side order with my vegetables Trust me, you are terrible, but f*** you on a pedestal You better go, let it go, travel rapid down a rabbit hole I go find a gal with Yoda, jab your neck a clavicle Laughable, what you always think and speak about Saying that you sleeping well, yet now your secret's out What is it this time, Madeline and Caroline BTO Channel 9, Barrel 9 and Kenny Fly Why you done did it, did it all in one minute
yo, check this out. This is Chuck the Republican, and you're now listening to Fuse Box Radio with DJ Fusion. Harder than you think.
down? Yes. It is? It is. But you move. You get an apartment. Something in a nice neighborhood. These people are going to move right next door to you. Well, good luck to you, sister. Yeah, thank you. Sure going to need it. Now listening to Fusebox Radio with DJ Fusion.
Hey, this is DJ Logic. You're now listening to the Fuse Box, bringing the best of hip hop and soul music, news and commentary from all over.
You are now listening to Fusebox Radio. What could your local not-for-profit organization, community or arts group, labor union, school, or church do with its own fully operational, low-power FM radio station? This is not a rhetorical question. It's a very practical one. Late in 2012 or early in 2013, the Federal Communications Commission will be accepting license applications to operate what could be hundreds of neighborhood FM radio stations in cities and towns across the country. For most of the last two decades, the Philadelphia-based Prometheus Radio Project, which you can find on the web at www.prometheusradio.org, has led this fight partnering with local forces to bring the technical knowledge and doing the watchdogging and advocacy on the national level that got the laws passed and appropriate regulations enacted. And now the licensing window is almost here. It's a moment that's been a long time coming. Corporate broadcasters and even so-called public broadcasters have spent millions to hire lobbyists and rent congressmen and senators to deny the broadcast microphone to anything or anybody that is not or is not owned by a greedy for-profit corporation. Commercial radio has impoverished our music by preventing local artists from reaching local audiences. Commercial radio has starved our communities of news by withdrawing corporate support for the gathering and broadcasting of original news, especially local news. Without local artists reaching local audiences, without local news, and without the ability of people to listen to and lead their own conversations, we are not communities, we are only markets. Turning our collective relations into exclusively market-mediated relations is in fact the vision of corporate America. The fight for the rights of nonprofit community broadcasters to access the radio dial is nothing less than a fight for the rights of people to hear their own voices. It's a fight for the right to own and operate media which recognizes and builds communities, where commercial media ignores communities, instead recognizing only markets to be delivered to its advertisers. What could your organization do with its own low-power FM radio station? Think about it. Low-power FM stations will broadcast to an area 12 miles in diameter. We're talking about neighborhood radio that binds actual neighborhoods together around their own needs, concerns, and objectives. The same needs, concerns, and objectives that caused you to form your local not-for-profit organization in the first place. While individual not-for-profit organizations can apply for station licenses, preference will be given to coalitions of two, three, and more local organizations because a wider base ensures more success at fundraising and at the continuous production of original programming for your local radio station. The minimum financial barriers to application and station startup are not terribly high either often in the low to mid single-digit thousands. Do your organization's capacity building and community building efforts a favor and find out just what you could do with your very own low-power neighborhood FM radio station. To find out more about this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, join Black Agenda Report and Prometheus Radio for a one-hour informational conference call with questions and answers, on Thursday, April 26, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central Time, and 6 p.m. Pacific Time. 
That's Thursday evening, April 26, at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, and 6 p.m. Pacific Time. To obtain the number and code, email us at radio.blackagendareport.com. That's radio at blackagendareport.com. For Black Agenda Radio, I'm Bruce Dixon. Find us on the web at www.blackagendareport.com. You're as good as they say you are. Syndicated worldwide to bring real black radio back to the masses.
Oh, 
You're now listening to Fusebox Radio with DJ Fuse. Welcome to Media Minutes. I'm Stevie Converse. And I'm Candace Clement. And I'm Megan Tatey. The digital divide in the U.S. is creating a massive chasm between the broadband haves and have-nots. A recent study shows a widening gap between Internet adopters across the nation. Although broadband subscribership increased in many states from 2008 to 2010, the study found that 40% of households nationwide do not have a broadband connection. The states that are least connected also tend to be the poorest. John Dunbar is managing editor at the Center for Public Integrity and co-wrote the study with the investigative reporting work. I think the most striking thing of all, though, was that this income divide has become even more clear, particularly in the South. Mississippi had the lowest subscriber rate at 35 percent, along with a $36,850 median income. Other low subscribing states include Alabama, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, and West Virginia. Wealthier states where median incomes are over $60,000 ranked near the top. We really are separating into two worlds when it comes to broadband, which is the super users, people who really spend more than $100 plus on their wireless devices so they can download high-definition movies versus this kind of broadband underclass, which may have access to it, but culturally may not understand the importance of it and just doesn't have the disposable income to spend to use it. That's a much nastier problem than straight access. Dunbar said broadband has become more and more of a necessity as people increasingly rely on the Internet to apply to college, look for jobs, and do their work. He says the lack of broadband entrenches poverty. So people who do have good access, good connections, and good speed will continue to do better in society, and people who do not will just be left further and further behind. Dunbar says the problem isn't access to broadband, but something that's more difficult to fix, convincing non-adopters that broadband is essential and then actually making it affordable. I think that those actually are solvable problems. You know, the challenge is coming up with a coherent policy and strategy for attacking those problems and really recognizing that that is the primary problem. I hope, you know, this report will at least get people to start to pay attention to, you know, this fact of it's not about access, dummy. It's about adoption. To read the report, visit iwatchnews.org. The city of Albuquerque pulled the plug on longtime public access channel operator, quote, unquote, with little regard for city protocol. And many in the community are crying foul. Quote, unquote's contract was not up for renewal, but according to a city ordinance, the operator must undergo periodic reviews to iron out any problems that the cable franchise and hearing board identifies. Mayor Richard Berry circumvented the board and appointed an ad hoc committee to review quote unquote's performance. Quote unquote's executive director, Steve Ranieri, was unaware of any problems. Well, they never discussed with us anything that wasn't working right or nothing. We asked for meetings, they wouldn't give them to us. The committee, which put the contract out to bid, criticized, quote-unquote, for being too involved in the community and loading its submission for bid with too much information. Yes, you heard that correctly. The committee chose a curious replacement, a company unknown in the community with no experience in actual television broadcasting that was, wait for it, the highest bidder. The company, UPublic, had been awarded Albuquerque's educational access channel over a year ago, but has yet to produce a single program for it. In fact, there's no mention of the educational channel on UPublic's website. In contrast, quote-unquote's website includes its programming schedule, training schedules, and other information for the public. 
In an attempt to make sense of the decision, Ranieri requested public records about public access and got over 1,500 pages of documents. Amongst those records are a number of emails back and forth between the SHU public group and people at the city who are driving this whole thing. And you can see that they were just pretty much had thought about this and made up the decision to do this back as far as the fall of 2010. So what's really going on here? One reason for the switch to you public has to do with content. They do want to control speech in this town. They object to some of the programming. They object to the opinions of the people in the community. They object to the fact that we put democracy now on every day at 9 a.m. Meanwhile, support for quote-unquote is building. The cable board asserted its authority and recommended it be awarded the contract for the public access channel. The community has responded with letters, calls, and visits to city officials in support of quote-unquote. The city council is scheduled to vote on who will get the contract April 2nd. Stay tuned. You've been listening to Media Minutes, a production of Free Press, a national nonpartisan organization working to reform the media. For more information, visit freepress.net. You are now listening to Fusebox Radio.
You're now listening to Fusebox Radio with DJ Fusion.
everybody. It's your boy right here, Lamar Blackman, and this is Direct Effects, The Takeoff, your hottest daily dose of entertainment and college news, brought to you by the Black University Radio Network. And on today's show, the legend that is Lenny Williams is still making good music. After 42 years of professional recording, Lenny Williams is still as vibrant as ever. The former lead singer of legendary band Tower of Power and 20-year veteran solo artist Lenny Still Going. And he drops his hot new single, Still, off his upcoming CD, Still in the Game. And I'll have a sit-down with this music veteran. Clark Atlanta gets a $10 million grant to start a Chinese language program and its first green energy residence hall. And I'll tell you who the big money sponsor is. And HBCU students are on the front line for Darfur, Sudan. More than 400000 have been killed in that country over the last 10 years with little or no mainstream press. But the Black University National Radio Network is right here and we're on it. And I'll give you all the breaking news all right here next on the Black University Radio Network. Movies and television don't show what it's really like being an officer in the U.S. Army. Major Miles Kagans confronts these misconceptions all the time. Many people imagine army life is the way that they see it on Hollywood movies. That you're crawling through the mud with bullets flying overhead and some sergeant yelling profanities at you. That's simply not the case. During my time as an army officer, I've been a leader. I've been the one giving directions to people. Major Kagans doesn't sugarcoat it. He says being an army officer is hard work, but it's hard work that gives you a reward you can't get anywhere else. The reward of being a leader from day one. If you're the kind of person who's doing student government, if you're on a sports team, if you're the one who people rally around, then being an army officer is for you. It's an option that anybody should consider if they like being part of a team and if they like leading that team. That's the difference between being an Army officer and your average everyday civilian. Lead the way to a stronger future as an officer in the U.S. Army. Visit GoArmy.com slash officer. There's strong and then there's Army strong. After 42 years recording music, Lenny Williams is still relevant. His new album, Still in the Game, drops this spring on his own independent label, and his hot new single, Still, is grown and sexy and impacting radio nationally. Here is the legend that is Lenny Williams speaking on his new single and how he's kept his mind, body, and spirit intact after all these years in the music industry. What's going on? I uh, was um, hanging out with uh, Ken Wilson, who's a music company executive, and uh, he was telling me that he was uh, doing some stuff with uh, Andre Crown. So I said, well, tell Andre. I said, hello. And because uh, Andre and I grew up together, too. And uh, and so um, uh, Andre told me, well, my nephew, uh, Keith, is, uh, Keith Crouch is writing songs, him and a guy named Kipper Jones. And they've got a song that I heard the other night that was going to be great for Lenny. And so uh, Ken got it, sent it to me. Uh, we went in the studio with DOA, my producer, and uh, bam, you know, we got it. And uh, everybody seems to love it. We haven't gotten any negatives, you know. So it's uh, we're really, really excited about it. I started a new label, uh, Bridal Ridge Records, and we're just excited about, you know, about the possibilities. That's the legend that is Lenny Williams. Again, his new single still is available now at LennyWilliams.com and iTunes.com front slash Lenny Williams. And look for his hot new album, Still in the Game, coming spring 2012. Thanks for your time. Two chains exploded onto the national scene in the summer of 2007 as one half of the Atlanta-based group Play a Circle. The original duffel bag boy is back as a solo act. This time and his hot new single, Riot, is impacting radio nationally. I ain't starting it. No 
The original duffel bag boy is back as a solo act. This time, and his hot new single, Riot, is impacting radio nationally. His lead single, Spend It, was a smash and is available now at Def Jam Records and iTunes.com front slash 2 Chains. With the crossover success of 2 Chains' first two singles, the Southside Atlanta MC shows he's one of the hottest rising stars in the game. 2 Chains' new single, Riot, is available for download. Visit iTunes.com front slash 2 Chains or Def Jam Records.com. For the singles, wallpaper, promo photos, and tour update information, visit Def Jam Records. Records.com. Island Def Jam Records, where music lives. Black college students are on the front line of the Darfur advocacy efforts. They are lifting their voices in an outcry over the genocide going on over in Darfur. More than 400,000 people have been killed by the Sudanese government forces and armed militia over the last five years, and an estimate 2.5 million people have been displaced. The Darfur Holocaust did not begin overnight. It was born out of a history and tradition of brutality in which former National Islamic Front regime, made up of Arabs mostly, now the National Congress Party of the government of Sudan, made up of 90% of indigenous Africans based in the capital of Sudan, Khartoum. This has systematically decided to destroy different indigenous African populations. The crisis started in 2002 when rebels made up of mostly ethnic African farmers attacked government outposts in a quest for more power in their land. The Sudanese government repressed the insurgency by bombing villages and arming Arab henchmen, Janjaweed guerrillas, who had a history of loud disputes with the farmers. And it has not stopped to this day. In 2004, the U.S. declared the atrocities in Darfur genocide. To get involved in relief efforts or to learn more about this African holocaust, you can visit saintsforsudan.com or savedarfur.com. Making the largest donation in its 150-year existence, Lehman Brothers Holding Incorporated has announced a $10 million gift to Spelman College to provide opportunities for black women interested in pursuing business careers. The grant announced September 8th on Spelman's campus in Atlanta will be used to develop the Lehman Brothers Center for Global Finance and Economic Development. The center will offer an interdisciplinary curriculum, internships, scholarships, mentoring, and a Chinese language program. At the very same time the new Lehman Center is set to open fall 2012. Spelman is expected to also open its first green-friendly residence hall. This year, U.S. News and World Report ranked Spelman as the number one historically black college and one of the 75 top best liberal arts colleges. Spelman boasts a 77% graduation rate, the highest among black colleges according to the Journal of Blacks in Higher Education. Congratulations, Spelman. Most people don't know about all the career options they'll have as an officer in the U.S. Army, so they don't consider it an option. Captain Kendrick Forrester used to be one of those people. I was that 18, 19-year-old that had no intentions of joining the Army. I wanted to go to college, you know, I wanted to be an engineer, and I didn't think the Army had anything for me. But like other soldiers, when Captain Forrester compared the options and training he had as an Army officer with the opportunities his friends had, he knew joining was the best decision. I had peers that went into engineering, I had peers that went into business or, or into marketing, and they all started at the bottom and, you know, they're making copies or trying to learn as they go along. We're going to put you in a position from day one and say, you're in charge of 40 people, millions of dollars of equipment, and we want you to go out there and do this mission. There's no other organization like that. Zero. Make your future even stronger as an officer in the U.S. Army. Visit GoArmy.com officer to find out how. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. 
that's going to do it for this edition of Direct Effects, y'all. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. That's Twitter, front slash Black College. Until tomorrow, it's your boy right here, Lamar Blackman. And I'm out. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now witnessing Fusebox Lady. Listening to the fuse box with John Judah. You're checking out Fusebox Radio with John Judah And this is yours truly, Big Guru, the icon Yeah.
and burned out the Sahara Desert with a packet of goat's meat and a change of clothes. I crossed it in two hours. I'm a gazelle, so swift, so swift, you can't catch me. For a birthday present when he was three, I gave my son Hannibal an elephant. He gave me Rome for Mother's Day. My strength flows ever on. My son Noah built new ark, and I stood proudly at the helm as we sailed on a soft summer day. I turned myself into myself and was Jesus, Men intone my loving name. All praises, all praises. I am the one who would say. I sow diamonds in my backyard. My bowels deliver uranium. The filings from my fingernails are semi-precious jewels. On a trip north, I caught a cold and blew my nose, giving oil to the Arab world. I am so hip, even my errors are correct. I sailed west to reach east and had to round off the earth as I went. The hair from my head thinned and gold was laid across three continents. I am so perfect, so divine, so ethereal, so surreal. I cannot be comprehended except by my permission. I mean, I can fly like a bird in the sky.
right here on the Fuse Box Radio. I was born into this world. This world. One, two, three. 
And we, we, we be the fuse box contingency. Check now the frequency of NYCC Jersey. A half man, half serpentine, work suburb energy, your soul food. CCCC's me and a fusion be broadcast infinity and two souls. She, 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 me. So electricity for global spirit beings, one love. We, we, we be. Grand Dragon, God masculine in the vicinity. Fu-u-ba-a-a's ill creation. And you know we here for the duration. D-N-A of amazing. Spray painted ancient pages. Third I-I-I-I-I-I start vibrating. And you know we astral place then. Yes, indeed, fused by the radio. Like, I don't know, Tell a friend, tell a foe, and yes, indeed, tell a hoe. And tell everybody we're going to get down to yo. Yes, indeed, fusion, what's the deal, yo? You are now listening to the fuse box with John Judah.
right here on the Fuse Box Radio. Now listening to the Fuse Box with John Judah.
You are now listening to the Fuse Box with John Judah. Right here on the Fuse Box Radio. 
right here on the Fuse Box Radio.
You are now listening to the Fuse Box with John Judah. Thank you. 
Listening to the fuse box with John Judah.
You are now listening to Fusebox Radio. Right here on the Fuse Box Radio.
Dark Matter setting it off in this piece, you know what I'm screaming?
Yo, you're checking out Fusebox Radio with John Judah. And this is yours truly, Big Guru, the icon. Millennium Falcon, this is Cab C-A-B, representing for Fusebox Radio, DJ Fusion and John Judah, you know what it is, Jerry. Shit on the shore, dry off, harpoon to your liver 45 clap to that 
iPhone ain't got a bulletproof app for that. Dreams are eternal like this in the journal. Point blank range, take aim at the colonel. Sick to your stomach, nigga, run it, I want it. Knowing in your heart, see it be never fronted. I'm up the hill, you a downtown flunky. Porch monkey, borderline junkie. Your boy want me, stick it in a bunky. Couldn't resist, she had an ass like a donkey. Three face, slim waist, true wigglies. Butt jiggly, borderline wiggly. Sex melody, four or five felony. New for the cartel, first name Melanie. Join us next time. Good night.